Welcome. Good morning. I'm Reverend Audrey Brooks, and I'm the um, almost retired chaplain of this church. <laughs> I'll be your service leader this morning. It's a good day to be together, both here in the sanctuary and online with the members and guests. I invite you to silence your devices so that they don't do strange things during our time with our minister, Reverend Rosemary Morrison. We are the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, part of a world faith community that is a rich mosaic of diverse, multicultural, free-thinking, spiritually questing people who pursue the common good and work for justice and equality. We are an inclusive community with compassion for all beings with whom we share this wonderful earth. We begin our land acknowledgement by recognizing Edmonton as a gathering place of indigenous peoples for centuries. Last week, Gordon Ritchie introduced the uh, Métis Michel Galahiu band that settled in the Kalahu area in Alberta. They were Iroquois men who uh, traded furs with the Hudson Bay Company, married Cree and Métis women, and settled in the area. They signed treaties with the Canadian government of the time, which were uh, broken and amended and broken and so on. And the Galahiu Band is still fighting for land acknowledgement and uh, land recognition with the government of Canada. The reason we tell the stories of these relatives of ours with whom we share this land is not because it's not enough just to stand up here every year and every day and every week and acknowledge these land uh, um, sharing that we do with the indigenous peoples. This last Thursday, I heard a Métis author, Mary Campbell, say this as a at a Métis identity program on Zoom with an audience of 241 people. Mary said it was easy to acknowledge uh, treaties by rote. She said, which not only is boring, but it makes her angry that people are satisfied with this, believe it, believing it is enough just to stand up and say, we acknowledge Treaty 6 or the, the sharing of the land and the contributions of the indigenous people, and then do nothing else. If we agree with Mary, a longtime activist for the United Nations, uh, right of the indigenous peoples, we might consider accepting her invitation to participate in the Orange Shirt Day, which many of you will already know takes place on Thursday, September the 30th at three o'clock at the Kinsman Park. There will be opening ceremonies and then the opportunity to walk or run as we are able uh, to support the Every Child Matters project in Alberta. I do have some orange shirts down there left from uh, our other rallies if anybody would like to have one and join in that uh, project. I leave the Orange Shirt Day opportunity with us as we look forward to next Sunday's uh, presentation uh, with Susan Rattan, 
a picture of Indigenous life in Alberta before the residential schools. So we're kind of having a, a cycle of uh, presentations about those uh, topics. Our prelude this morning is Devotion by Jim Brickman and Gordon will play that for us. This congregation has weathered the storm of COVID admirably well, considering all the ups and downs and throughs and rounds we've had from those people who are in charge of things that involve uh, our lives and those of the ones we love. We light a chalice each Sunday at this church as part of that beloved community. This morning, I'd like to invite uh, Ellen Logan to come forward and light the chalice for us. The words of Marianne Hockton Cotter say, Welcome to this place of possibility. This is love's hearth, the home of hope, a refuge for minds in search of truth unfolding. 
ever beautiful, ever strange. Here, compassion is our shelter, freedom our protection from the storms of bigotry and hate. In this abode, may we find comfort and courage. Here, may our sight become vision to see the unseen, to glimpse the good that is yet to be. Thank you, Ellen. Our first hymn, number 360, Here We Have Gathered, which we expect to have enthusiastically sung, whether off-key or not, as I intend to do with the next hymn we have. Believe me, you don't want my mic on when I'm singing. I was, uh, somebody said to me last week, oh, you can sing pretty good. And I said, no, I can't. I can sing great. <laughs> and then I listened to myself. And, and I think they were, I think they were kind of stretching it. It wasn't great. <laughs> it was not that good. <laughs> I was kind of surprised. I always thought I was a singer. Anyway. I think that COVID has taken its toll on our vocal cords. We're not used to singing. I'm used to going to two or three choirs a week and singing all kinds of parts. And now I rarely sing. And then when I do, I sound all croaky. Anyway, we will get back to singing two and three times a week. <laughs> I will get back to singing <laughs> two or three times a week. Like, you all don't have to come to all the choirs I'm in. Every once in a while, I'll throw in a y'all, or all y'all, because I've been in the States for three years, and they say that a lot. 
There was once a monastery that fell upon hard times. As the years passed, there were fewer and fewer novices, and some of the younger monks were very dissatisfied with their life in the abbey. And then fewer, fewer and fewer people from the neighboring villages would come and visit the monks. You know how you can go to a monastery and they serve you tea, and you give them your money, and you might have a meal with them or go to retreats? Well, the villagers decided, no, we don't want to go to the monastery anymore. Eventually, only the oldest were there still, and the monastery began to decline and need the they need a lot of work to keep up the cement and all the stones and things. And their leader, the abbot, they, they didn't know what to do. An old friend of the abbot's was a rabbi and had recently retired to a nearby village. And so years after, years only seeing each other very rarely because they did not have Zoom back then, um, they were now able to visit. And the, and the rabbi noticed that things were declining in his friend's abbey. So the, the abbot said, tell me, what can I do? What, what should I do? What should I, should I tell them to do to bring life back into the monastery? And the rabbi said, well, I can't really tell you what to do, but I could tell you an observation that I've had, and, or an observation, and that is that. And he's like, what? What is your observation? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And the, and the Rabbi leaned in and whispered, the Messiah is among you. The abbot was initially lost for words. What do you mean the Messiah is among us? What, at the abbey? Depends on your faith. It could be the first Messiah or the second Messiah or the third. Or you can put in the word that's comfortable for you. Who is it? The abbey replied. Well, I can't say, but I know beyond a doubt, said the rabbi, that the Messiah is among you. Well, the abbot was like overjoyed and he ran back to the monastery. And he, as soon as he got there, he told them that he was going to set up a meeting. And they had a meeting and, and he, has, he said to them, I, I have an absolutely incredible news for you. What is it? And the, and the monk said, or the abbot said to the monks, the Messiah is among you. And they're like, what? One of us? But who? How can that be? He said, he explained, the rabbi told him, and then, and then told them to go on about their day while they reflected upon this. As the monks did their chores, each wondered to themselves, could it be Chris? Could it, could it be? Well, they always forget to do the, their turn washing up the dishes, but... Lovely flowers to decorate the tables. Hmm. Surely it's not Pat. They're always muttering to themselves, but and when they're not muttering, they're being rude. But then they're always there when you're sick. They're the first one there. Hmm. Maybe it is Pat. What about Leo? He's always dirty and he smells bad. But then that's because he works so hard in the fields to make us food so that we can eat. It's, his gardening is so delicious. And maybe it's Sarah. Hmm. But she always spills ink all over the Torah when she's writing out the scriptures. But then her writings and decorations are so beautiful. Hmm. 
the monks continued to try to figure out who amongst them might be the Messiah, but none of them came to any conclusions. Still, that they realized that soon they could see the Messiah, the chosen one, whatever word you want to use, in each other's faces. And sometimes they could hear the Messiah in one another's voices. And they began to treat each other fairer and kinder. Just in case. You know, you don't want to mess with the chosen one, the next Dalai Lama, just in case. As time passed, the villagers too noticed, and they began visiting more often, giving them offerings, taking meals with them, going on silent retreats with them. And more of the young people who came noticed and inquired about staying with them, becoming novices, and the elderly monks and their abbot found themselves at peace, content to enjoy their golden years doing what they loved while the monastery grew, blossomed, and thrived. Um, Leah Morris is a singer-songwriter who I love and support and she has recorded the song hymn 1019 in your teal hymn books everything's possible it's written by by fred small and you can sing along or you can just you stay seated you don't need to get up and uh the the folks on zoom will have it will have some of the words and some pictures for them to look at but i'm just inviting you to stay and seated and listen or sing along quietly if you choose to everything she did put a video to this and sooner or later we'll be able to watch a video too as we sing along okay but i mean this takes time everything's possible leah morris performing by fred small we have cleared off the table the leftovers saved wash the dishes and put them away I have told you a story and tucked you in tight at the end of your knockabout day. As the moon sets its sails to carry you to sleep over the midnight sea, I will sing you a song no one sang to me, may it keep you good company. You can be anybody that you want to be you can go whoever you will you can travel any country that your wild heart leads and know i will love you still you can live by yourself you can gather friends around you can choose one special one and the only measure of Some race on ahead and some fall. 
follow behind. We all grow in our own space and time. Some women love women, some men love men. Some raise children and some never do. You can dream all the day, never reach in the end. Everything possible for you. You can be anybody. And you know that by uh, supporting this church, we also make monthly donations to a, a local nonprofit group. And for September, it's the Camp Firefly, uh, a programming for JLBTQ plus youth who attend summer camps every summer. And as a person who is a spiritual director with Camp Firefly and Camp Dragonfly, with Charles Bidwell, <laughs> Charles Bidwell for three years, I can attest that it was an incredible, incredible, incredible gift to be at those camps and watch these kids blossom. Finding a connection with their peers, programming that's by the uh, Institute of Sexual Minority Studies at the university, incredible programming. Kate Redfern, one of the singers, they had, uh, artistic uh, opportunities. I remember a story uh, of one girl who came from the north, madder than wet hen. She had been encouraged to go by her social worker, tall, absolutely wonderful, mad, mad, mad. She came from the a transgender uh, workshop, walking six inches off the ground. She's, when she came into the uh, uh, cafeteria. She said, 
I found out who I am. Can you imagine that? And there's Charles and I are sitting there going, that can't be the same kid. So uh, give your support to these people. They've had some hard times with the Bennett Center closing down and having to rearrange and go to Canmore and so on. You know where the collection plates are. Empty your pockets and your hearts for Camp Firefly. And now we will sing from you I receive. From you papers out of the way so you don't get them mixed up with yours. Now maybe people can hear me. Sorry about that. The meditation this morning will be an opportunity to experience just re relaxing, sinking into our chairs, focusing in on our breath, and I'll guide you through a moment of that. And we'll have a short amount of silence, and then we will go into hymn number 83. So please have it open and on your lap. And again, remain seated as we sing that song together. After we finish singing the song, there, will be an op there is an open invitation to light a candle if you choose. Uh, many of you were here last week, but if you weren't, Audrey will stand in front of where the light, where the candles are and guide you through. So you come down here and in behind and stand looking this way when you light your candle. Okay, enough instruction. I invite you to take a deep, long breath, and as you do, to sink into your chair. And this is if you choose to. If you don't, that's great too. And one more. And now I invite you to breathe in and notice how your, how your chest stops at the top for a moment. And then as you let go, how it stops again and rests. Breathing in, breathing all that is life-giving. And breathing out that which no longer serves us. I invite you to feel the couch, the chair, the floor, the ground you may be walking on as you listen to this service. Feel it supporting you, caring for you, offering you peace 
And I invite you to take five or so more deep breaths, focusing in on your breath, paying attention to how it feels. Now I invite you to just breathe normally and join in the singing as you wish. If you choose to, I invite you to come and light a candle and line up. Take one of the, the tapers, grab a taper.
sakit yang luar biasa. These candles represent our hopes and dreams, our joys, our sorrows, our longings, our desires. Let us hold them for a moment in our hearts. Take a breath and remember that we are all the, the chosen one, the Messiah. The reading that I have chosen this morning is by Parker Palmer from his book, Let Your Life Speak. He begins with William Stafford's poem, Ask Me. Sometime when the river is ice, ask me 
mistakes I have made. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. Others have come in the slow way into my thought, and some have tried to help or to hurt. Ask me what difference their strongest love or hate has made. I will listen to what you say. You and I can turn and look at the silent river and wait. We know that the current is there, hidden, and there are comings and goings from miles away that hold the stillness exactly before us. What the river says, that is what I say. And that's the end of the poem. Parker Palmer comments, Ask me whether what I have done is my life. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. For some, these words would become nonsense, nothing more than a poet's loose way with language and logic. Of course what I have done is my life. To what am I supposed to compare it to? But for others, and I am one, the poet's words will be precise, disquieting, piercing. They remind me of moments when it is clear if I have eyes to see that the life I am living is not the same as the life that wants to live in me. In those moments, I sometimes catch a glimpse of my true life, a hidden a life hidden like the river beneath the ice. And in the spirit of the poet, I wonder, what am I meant to do? Who am I meant to be? Can you picture it? Can you see yourself standing on that frozen river, walking or skating? direction. If I was skating, I'd be falling while the water below is going in another. So you're walking along the ice on a river and the river is flowing the other way. The wind makes your cheeks rosy. Your hands are warm inside your cozy mittens and despite all this beauty, you know or can sense that something isn't quite right. The river under the ice has a different message for you. It wants to be paid attention to, to be noticed, and to be examined. I've spent a lot of time, a lot of years of my life standing on that river of ice and thinking I knew which direction I was headed in, or mostly wishing I was going in a different direction. Sometimes I was sure the ice was going to hold me, sometimes not. I don't know if you've ever experienced skating on a frozen light lake or pond. Don't skate on a river. This is, an, this is just a metaphor. Do not skate on rivers. I don't know if you've ever experienced skating on a frozen lake or pond, but I find the experience exhilarating and frightening. I'm always sure that I'm the one that's going to find that one weak spot in the lake and fall in. 
even when logic and my companions tell me it's safe to do so. In Carrie Newcomer's song, Writing a Better Story, the chorus, the words go like this. I won't sing it for you. <laughs> it would not be pleasant. I'm writing a new ending with a better storyline. Turn the page and leave the blanks with a plot that's less defined. And though I won't get back a day of that stolen time, I could go to bed at night with a better storyline. So often in life, we simply go along, following the path on the ice, while there is so much more waiting for us if we just stop and listen. But what is it we're listening for? In the story I told about the monastery, the monks were living what could be described as a true and noble life. And yet, they had forgotten what they were actually supposed to be doing. They needed a new ending so they could rewrite their story. This age-old tale illustrates for us the importance of actually living out our first principle, to not just believe that everyone and has worth and dignity, but to treat everyone as if we know they have worth and dignity. I would like to suggest, though, that that's actually not quite enough. What do you think it would be like? What the possibilities could be if we decided to remember that we are called to treat everyone we meet as though they are beloved. In the tale, they had forgotten they were to treat each other as if they were precious. And I think that we do too, every day. And not just with friends or people that are part of this community or the family that you like. What would change if you're in your life if you decided to treat each and every person with that wonder and delight that was conveyed in the monastery story? The theme we are embracing this month, we are exploring this month, is embracing possibilities. Last week, we posed the question, ask what's possible, not what's wrong. In a way, this week is a little bit similar, isn't it? If we look at our personal trajectory and the trajectory of this congregation, we can get a fair look at where we're headed of what's possible. How many here have ever had a career change in their life? Lives, hands up, yes, I am not alone or gone back to school to get a, as an adult to get the credentials you needed to fulfill your heart's desire. I wonder if that's what the poet is getting at, helping us to understand that if we have a longing or desire to do something, it's okay to stop and pay attention to that longing, to hear that river flowing beneath our feet going in the opposite direction. 
when I was doing my internship in Kelowna, under the guidance of Reverend Karen Fraser Gitlitz, we asked an expert, it was her idea, I cannot, I cannot claim credit, we asked an expert in compassionate communication to come and do some training sessions with us. This woman, this expert in uh, compassionate communication, she talked about making 1% course corrections. She relayed the story about how a, an airplane, airplane pilot has to plot and register and, and record their, their, where they're going. I don't know what it's called, not a pilot. And even they, starting from point A, going to point B, during the flight, they have to make 1% course corrections, otherwise they're not gonna get to the airport they wanna go to. And the same is true for us. Even if we know where we're headed, even if the river and us are moving in the same direction, we still need to make course corrections. This is true, this is due to all the unknown variables. For the pilot, those might be winds or turbulence or currents and lots of other things I wouldn't know about. For us, it could be unexpected events, traumas, abuse, new awarenesses and realizations. All these events in our life ask us to stop and listen to ask which way the water is flowing. And now, and we can say to ourselves, now that I know better, I can do better. Let's just take a moment here and wonder. Ask yourself, what did you wanna be when you grew up? Or if you are a youth or child watching, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And if you're an adult, did you end up doing what you wanted to be when you were a child? Think back five or ten years. Did you see yourself here, now, in this place, in these relationships? If you were to write a new ending, where would you wish to be in five years, let's say? What might that look like? What would you be doing? Where would you be? Good questions to think about. It's my daughter's 37th birthday today. I knew exactly what I was doing 37 years ago at this very moment. She was born at high noon. When she was in grade school, she was picked to go to Tim Horton's camp. I was single parenting at the time. Tim Horton's kept calling her back. That's how it works. If they think you had show potential, leadership potential or whatever, or you're a great camper, they call you back next year. She kept call, getting called back and she was in there, I think in her year, there was 5,000 kids, and in her final year with Tim Hortons, there was 15 of them from that cohort. Okay, I'm a proud mom. Anyways, so they had a leadership program, and, and she, was one of, she was in the cohort of the first graduates from that leadership program. It really set her up for her life. In, in her experience there, they taught her to do one, two, and 
five-year planning. She became very, she has become quite successful. And I want you to know that um, I, had, I had a conversation with my kids, Matthew and Elizabeth, and I said, you know, I'm going to talk about you on Sunday mornings. Is that okay? And they said, yeah, Mom, that's okay. So you'll be hearing about my son, too, in the future. So Elizabeth has always had, even as a little kid, a one-year plan, a two-year plan, and a five-year plan. And I was like, whoa, I could never do that. I guess what Elizabeth is doing with her short and long-term planning is writing her storyline. She'd be the first to tell you things didn't always go as planned. And even those of us who were certain what career they wanted and went for it, they'd be able to tell you that things didn't always go as planned too. But that's the beauty of writing a new ending. We're not bound by what has happened in the past. We're only limited by our imaginations. We're not limited by our mistakes. Ministry is my third and best, probably final career. And I would say, I could say, look at all those years I wasted not doing ministry, for this is what I love to do and feel like I should have been doing my whole life. But I did not have my act together as a young adult. And I could kind of get myself mad, about, I could be mad at myself about that. But it doesn't matter, because all that matters is right here, right now, I get to do what I love. And I'm so happy about that. So how, how does your story relate to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton? The monks in the monastery had forgotten what was important. They had forgotten that the only important thing in life was relationship. When the abbot informed them that, from, that his rabbi friend knew that the chosen one was among them, Without knowing it, they changed the ending of their story. The interesting thing to me is that the village folk had stopped coming to the monastery. They didn't want to be around all that decay, negativity. Since arriving at UCE, I am struck by all the good things that is going on here. And I am also wondering, if you had the opportunity to rewrite the ending, what possibilities could you see for this congregation? I'll reread Carrie Newcomer's lyrics. I'm writing a new ending with a better storyline. Turn the page and leave the blanks behind. With the plot that's left less defined. And though I won't get back a day of stolen time, I could go to bed at night with a better storyline. And it's obviously where I got the title of this sermon was from her lyrics. Think about what UCE would be like in five years if we kept going exactly where we are going in the same direction at the same pace. Certainly things would be okay. You're getting your ducks in a row. You're navigating the pandemic. You're improving your online performance. Everything's fine. No problem. 
Now imagine a new ending. What if we wanted to be think what if we wanted things to be better than fine? What would we fill those blank pages with? What are the endless possibilities? One of the beautiful things about the monastery story is that when the monks started seeing each other in a new light, everything changed. The village folk came back and the monastery thrived. It couldn't be that simple. I don't know. I don't really know, but it's worth a try. Try it out for five minutes a day and see what changes in your life. Or when you're at a board meeting or committee meeting or out with the walkers or at church on Sunday morning. I challenge you to see the beauty and potential in those around you. What else would you fill the blank pages with if UCE were to write a new ending? What would you fill your blank pages with if you wrote a new ending for your personal life? Would you go back to school? Would you end a non-life-giving relationship? Even with our limitations, we have unlimited possibilities because we have choices. We have choices in our lives and in this community. I am so looking forward to being with you while you explore your unlimited possibilities. While you change and grow, while you write your new ending and create your storyline. So may it be. And I invite you to take a breath. I've asked you lots of questions. And they're all just rhetorical. Well, no. You can answer some of them for yourselves. So, hymn number 1021, Lean On Me. I invite you to rise in body or spirit as you are willing and able and sing.
We extinguish, I'm sorry, we extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. Now I offer you these closing words, familiar words by now by Alina Westbrook, a holy and generous love. Go in hope, for the arc of the universe is long, and we, together, can bend it toward justice. And go in courage, for together we have the strength to confront injustice in our daily lives and in the larger world and go in love because a holy and generous love is both the reason and the means by which we transform our world. And now let's sing together, carry the flame, stand as you're willing and able after carry the flame, we'll have a few announcements. So if you'd like to stand and look at one another, no touching. <laughs> I do have a few announcements. Jennifer Hinchcliffe says she needs a few more people to help with the greeters. You can sign up with her. She has a clipboard. That's, uh, an, uh, that's sometimes an important thing to have. It can chase people away from you, though, Jennifer. That's what I've noticed when I'm carrying a clipboard around. Don't forget to look at the Canadian Unitarian Council's offerings, uh, the sign up to, uh, the date to sign up for the sharing, oh, what's it called, Audrey? Well, there's the eighth principle one, and that's after the leadership training. So there's two things online, and if you wish to participate in the eighth principle conversations, there's some things you need to do before you can get there. And when you go online at cuc.ca, it will be explained to you. Karen Belita will be printing, can print out your vaccination cards for you. She'll be here next Sunday and subsequent Sundays um, if you want to get them printed out for your convenience. And uh, as, as you noticed in this week's um, email that went out on Friday, that uh, we will be requiring vaccinations to come to the, on, to come to the in-person service as per the requirements of Alberta. Um, if, you, this, if you're not able to be vaccinated or you prefer not to be, we encourage you and invite you to attend online. Any other, anything else that I have forgotten? No? Okay, with that, our service is over and I invite you to go in peace, gentle people. Go in peace. Oh, don't forget the money, Audrey says. Thank you for the, <laughs> thank you for the reminder. The collection plates are at the door as you leave this morning. Go in peace, my gentle people.
Fingern.